Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, welcome to Emmanuel. It is so good to be with you here today. And if you are watching at home right now and you're wondering, well, who are those folks in the crowd today? This is some of our staff member here. Can we give it up for some of our staff? Thanks, guys, for joining us. As we slowly try to move into gathering together again, we invited our staff in. And so hopefully very soon we'll be able to all gather together as a family at all of our locations. Uh, but until then, we're going to be online uh, for the next couple of weeks. And we actually started a series last week called A Call for Help. And Pastor Aaron Beasley did a phenomenal job. Can you give it up for Pastor Aaron? He talked about keeping prayer simple, he talked about keeping it real, and he talked about keeping it up. Hopefully that was a blessing to you. I know it was to me as well. I'm, I'm sort of jacked right now. I mean, here we are. I've actually got some human beings to look at in front of me, um, and it's always fun to talk after Pastor Cody. Those of you who just heard, like, don't you want to just like, I feel jacked right now. I say, yeah, he pumps me, he pumps you up. It's like, so, so we'd always have Cody do the announcements. That'd be great. Um, anyway, uh, but no, I'm jacked that we're able to give away $24,000 to our global partners and this and this week an additional $24,000 to all of our local partners here to meet practical needs. Man, that just fires me up. And I want to say thank you to all of you who get, continue to give faithfully so that we can continue not just to take care of our needs here as a local church, but also the needs of, of people in our community here and across the world. So way to go. And I also want to just say uh, happy Mother's Day to all of our Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day weekend. Can, can we give it up for all our moms again today? <clears throat> I told my kids, I just sent a text to my kids. I said, hey, love on your mama. She gave you life, okay? And I was there. I saw it happen with my own eyes. And I don't care if there was an epidural involved. Man, that is some serious stuff. And so can we just give it up for moms again? They have, they have pushed us into this world. And I want to thank my own mother right now. If you're watching, mom, I appreciate you. She pushed out three boys without an epidural. That's right. That's right. Uh, she is an incredible woman. And uh, I was nine pounds. So just figure that out. I mean, that's just incredible. So thank you, mom, for giving me life as well. And so, all right. So here we are. Week number two of our current series, A Call for Help. It's our series on prayer. You know, prayer really is a call for help. King David said this in Psalm 28. He said, hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Like prayer really is a call for help. It's saying, God, I need a job right now. Can you help me out? Like, I need some strength right now to be able to forgive this person who's hurt me. Like, I need some wisdom right now to be able to know what decision to make. Like, prayer, if you really think about it, is a call for help. Sometimes it's just calling out to God to, so that our favorite sports team can win the game in the bottom of the ninth or the fourth quarter with a few minutes left. I don't necessarily recommend that you pray those prayers. Not even sure if God answers those, 
but, but that is a sort of a prayer. God, will you help? Will you just assist? Will you send divine intervention into my life right now? And that is most certainly a way to pray. Jesus said, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you, right? So that is a huge part of prayer. However, however, that's not all that prayer is. There's so much more to an effective prayer life. There's so many other things that are involved in developing a strong prayer life. In fact, if we reduce prayer to calling out to God for help, essentially what we're doing is reducing God down to a big genie in the sky, aren't we? It's like he's the, he's the one up in the sky that, that, that if we rub the lamp hard enough, he comes out and he grants our three wishes and, or whatever it is, then he goes back in. And then the next time we need another wish, we call out to him again and, and he's supposed to just answer like that. And that is not necessarily what, what God is like. That is, there is way more involved in prayer than just calling out to God in our time of need, although that is a form of prayer. Last week, Pastor Aaron Aaron gave us this idea that prayer is at the heart of a growing relationship with God. If you want to grow in your spiritual life, if you want to have a stronger relationship with God, you have to grow in your prayer life. Those two things go together. Can you imagine? Your favorite person, whoever that is, if it's a friend, it's a, you know, a roommate, maybe it's a spouse, a wife, a husband, whoever it is, best friend. Can you imagine if the only time that person spoke to you was when they needed your help? Can you imagine what kind of relationship that would be? I mean, it might be okay in the beginning, but over time, what you'd start to feel taken advantage of, wouldn't you? And I think that God will feel the same way if the only time we speak to him is, hey, could you help me out? I need a little extra money. Hey, I could use a different job. Or, hey, I'm single and I'd like to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Or, hey, could you help? Could you help? Could you help? Could you help? Now, he loves to answer those prayers because he's a good father. But if that's the only time we spoke to him, how do you think he's going to end up feeling in the long run? I mean, how would your spouse feel? How would you feel if the only time your spouse spoke to you, if you're married or your best friend or whoever spoke to you, was when they needed something? Now, that's not the only time that we pray. Billy Graham said this, prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. We talk to God, and then he talks to us. And there's all kinds of things that we talk about. It's not just asking for help. You talk about how awesome the day is. You can go through your day and say, God, that's a pretty awesome sunrise. Or, hey, way to go on the sunset. Or you could talk to God about a, a simple cup of coffee. You say, God, man, this coffee is really awesome today. I appreciate that. I mean, isn't that what good friends do? Don't they talk about the day and talk about what's going on in their lives? Absolutely. There's encouragement. There's inspiration, there's instruction, there's guidance that takes place. Prayer is not this one-sided conversation where we're simply asking God for help. There's so much more involved in our prayer lives. And we have to explore them. We have to look at that. We have to to understand that this is a relationship. In fact, if you want to know the quality of any person's friendship or marriage between them, all you have to do is look at the level of their, their communication. I mean, if you follow Jackie and I around for a week and all you'd have to know about our, if our relationship is a good relationship is to, to, you know, just kind of observe how we speak to each other. Are we kind? Are we tender? What's our tone? Are, are we short with one another? Do we give each other the silent treatment? Is it the only time we communicate when we need something, right? And you would know the quality of our marriage by by looking at the quality of our communication. Well, the same is true with our relationship with God. If I want to know the quality of your relationship with God, all I'd have to do is look at your prayer life. What does it look like? What are you saying to him? What is he saying to you? How are you saying it? What's your tone? How often do you speak? Does that make sense? 
Now, if prayer is at the heart of a growing relationship with God, and it is, why don't we pray more? Well, there are some huge obstacles that Pastor Aaron mentioned last week. I mean, we got all kinds of obstacles to, 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 to praying more in our lives. We, there's disappointment. Some of, us, some of us struggle to pray because we've prayed before and we didn't get the answer we wanted. It's like, man, I don't think this works. Some of us feel like we're not worthy to pray based on past failures or sins that we've committed. It's like, who am I to talk to God? He's not going to listen to me. Some of us can't pray because we're so distracted by email and social media and the television and the noise and the family and the kids. And it's so difficult to pray because we're just simply distracted. Some of us struggle to pray. And I've talked to so many people who have actually said this. This is a strange one to me, but it's true. People say, well, I don't want to pray because I think it's selfish. Like there's 7 billion people in the world, right? Why would God listen to little old me? It's like, so they don't pray because they think it's selfish. Some people don't pray because they doubt that it works or they don't have a plan. It's like, I don't even know how. If I tried it, what would I say? I think some people don't struggle to pray because they're of their view of God, their perspective, their perception of who God is. We said in this series, we're going to try to follow along in this book, How to Pray by Pete Craig. In the book, he mentions this. He, said, he says this, he says, I have come to the conclusion that most people's biggest problem with prayer is God. <laughs> think about this. Listen to what he says. He says, they envisage him scowling, perpetually disapproving, invariably disappointed, and needing to be placated or persuaded in prayer. If that's how you picture God, I don't blame you for trying to avoid his gaze. We struggle with prayer because we don't know what he's really like or we have the wrong perception of who he is. One time Jesus was trying to correct people in Matthew chapter 7 and he's saying, hey, if, 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 if your son were to come and ask you for a piece of bread, would you give him a rock? If your son were to come to you and ask you for, for a fish, would you give him a snake? And then Jesus says, if you who are sinful know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more your heavenly father would give you good gifts if you asked him? What was he trying to do? He was trying to change their perspective, their perception of God. And it's because of these obstacles that we're doing this series. What I want to try to do, and Pastor Aaron gave a great start last week, is help us to overcome some of these obstacles so that we can communicate more with God. Why? So that we can grow in a relationship with God. That's the mission of our church. We want to see people come to Christ and grow in Christ. And so we're following along on this book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And in the book, Pete uh, Pete Guy, Greg, I think his name is Greg, by saying that right, um, he gives this four-step plan that, uh, that uh, actually revolves around the acronym PRAY. Now, I normally don't use acronyms because they remind me of like an old crusty preacher in a suit, and so it's just, I just don't use them. But, 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 but this one's really good, okay? And so, and so he uses this acronym P-R-A-Y, which is so memorable because it's the word PRAY. And I want to follow along, and I've adjusted it a little bit because that's just what I do, but it still really works. And I'll just show you, and I'll just, this is actually how it appears in the book. He, he says the, the P in the pray stands for pause, and this, that's what we're going to talk about today. Then he goes to reverence. He actually uses the word rejoice, and I'll tell you why I changed it next week. This will be next week's talk. Then he goes to ask, which is a call for help, and there's a whole little uh, formula there for asking. And then there's a, a yield sign, or he uses the other word yes just to say God you know what yes the answer is 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna yield to your will. And, and I love this simple plan because it's memorable and it, allow, it gives you the tools that you need to know what to do when it's time to pray and how to overcome the obstacles that we just talked about to prayer. So today I wanna talk about this first step and that is to pause. The P stands for pause. What do I mean by pause? Well, you know what pause means because many of you have families or you're in a family and you've been watching a movie at night and, you know, movie night with the family and everybody's around and the kids are there and whoever's there, friends are there and somebody says, um, can you pause it? <laughs> have you been there? And what do they mean? They mean they gotta, they gotta pee, they gotta go to the bathroom, they gotta make some popcorn, they gotta, they, maybe they spilled a drink or something happened or they got a phone call, they got a text or, and you have to press a button and it stops the movie. That's what pause means. And Pete Geig in the book, he says, before we enter into a conversation with God, before we try to even say one word to him, before we try to even hear one word from him, we have to pause. And there's three reasons why I believe pausing is so critical to grow in our prayer life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The first one in your notes is this. Pausing helps us to quiet the noise. Have you noticed how noisy our world is today? I mean, there is constant chatter. There's social media, there's email, there's text messaging, there's phone calls, there's the news is on and the radio's on and this is going. And I mean, our world is a noisy, noisy world. I grew up in one of those houses where the TV was always on in the background. Anybody else? I don't know why. You know, the Cosbys were on and the news was on or the Yankee game was on or whatever. Just in the background, nobody ever thought to turn it off. You know, and I just thought, you know, I'm just not going to do that as an adult. And so in our house, if the TV's on, just turn that off. <laughs> it's too loud in here. We need to quiet things down. Our world is so incredibly noisy. And that's not even, you know, considering the voices in our head. Anybody else have voices in their head? Anybody? Am I the only one? You know, those voices of self-condemnation and self-loathing and self-hatred and how come you didn't and you're not good enough and all, and all these voices from the past, coaches, parents, teachers. I mean, this, we, we're, we got voices in our head. And then there's noise on the outside. And then we're supposed to pray, right? We're supposed to have this intimate relationship with God. Well, if we are ever going to connect with God and communicate to him from our hearts, from our authentic self, and hear him say anything to us of meaning or significance for our life, we have to turn down the volume. And that's the, that's the power of pausing. I believe this is what Jesus did. In the book of Mark chapter 1, you can read it yourself later, but Jesus has this incredible day of ministry. I mean, you talk about a jam-packed day full of ministry. He's in the synagogue preaching. He's casting out demons. He, he heals Peter's mom from a fever. He's on the go, 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 which was very, you know, that was the rhythm. A lot of times they didn't even have time to eat because they were so busy, you know, healing people and preaching and doing things. And so they go to bed that night. And I want you to see what verse 35 says about the very next day, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, one of my favorite uh, verses about, about on this issue of prayer. Very early in the morning, the next day, while it was still dark outside, Jesus got up. Now that's a big challenge for us right there. Forget about prayer. Let's just talk about getting up. Anybody else struggle? <laughs> I mean, he got up. He woke up before the sun was even up, while it was still dark. And look what he did. He left the house and he went off to what? Say it with me, a solitary place. I looked up this word. What does it mean in the Greek? It just means 
solitary. It just means, it just means all by yourself. It just means desolate. It means the wilderness, okay? There's no one else around. Nobody clamoring for Jesus. Hey, can you touch me? Can you heal me? Can you preach a sermon? Can you do this? Can you cast out a demon? Nobody's around, okay? He's just there by himself. And what does he do? That's the place where he said, with me, come on. He prayed. Why does he do this? I believe it's to shut out all the noise and to have this the space where all he could hear was God's voice and all the other voices would, would go away. I believe Jesus would, would do this in order to pause, to silence the volume, to turn down the noise. So maybe he just did that one time. Maybe this is just one example. Maybe he prayed, you know, other times in the evening before he went to bed. I'm sure he did. But let me show you in Luke chapter 5. Verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He did, he did this often. This was his rhythm. This was his pattern. Why? Because there, he needed to quiet the noise. People were clamoring for him. They were reaching out to him, constantly looking for him. Where is he? Where is he? Let's bring another person to him. And he needed to get away from all of that so that he can connect with his heavenly father. See, I believe this is stuff that needs to happen first thing in the morning. And I, and I know there are folks out there that like to pray in the middle of the day over lunch or, or like to pray at night before they go to bed or whatever. And that's good. That's better than not praying at all. But I believe that this is a, the, a discipline and a habit that needs to be first thing in the morning type stuff, just like Jesus did. Years ago, I read a passage in Mere Christianity that, that really enforced this and it changed my life. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, the real problem with the Christian life comes where people don't usually look for it. It comes the very moment that you wake up each morning. Have you ever, have you ever woke up in the morning and you, you just, you feel so awkward and so weird and you've had some crazy stupid dream and you don't even feel like a Christian? Am I the only one? <laughs> like sometimes like, uh, I don't even think I have faith. I don't think I'm a Christian. I don't think I know Jesus. Other people like who, who are Christians don't dream the way I just dreamed. And, 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 and I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, what was that all about? Listen to what Lewis says. He says, all of your wishes and your hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back and listening to that other voice taking that other point of view, letting that larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on all the day long. See, this is first thing in the morning stuff. We wake up and we have all kinds of desires for all kinds of things that we shouldn't, and, and, and we're confused, and, and we're hearing things that happen from the day, and we're, we're still kind of, you know, consoling ourselves over a grievance or licking our wounds or, or, or just wallowing in sadness or grief. And this is first thing in the morning stuff. And then we're supposed to go to work and we're supposed to, you know, help people come to Christ and grow in Christ and be the joy and be the light. And but we didn't take care of our soul first thing in the morning. We have to pause and we have to quiet all of those voices in our hearts. <clears throat> Pete, Guy, Pete Gregg says it this way. I love the way he says it. He says, stopping to be still before we launch into prayer helps us to recenter our scattered thoughts, priming our hearts and minds to worship. Next week, we're going to talk about reverence. We're going to talk about rejoicing. We're going to talk about worship. That's step two. 
before we can step into worshiping God, reverencing God, rejoicing in God, adoring God, singing hallelujahs to God, before we can do that, we've got to quiet all of the voices internally and externally. That's the power of pausing. The second reason why we need to pause is because pausing allows us to let go of, wait for it, control. Uh, I know, I know you don't want me to talk about this. Because y'all are control freaks. Yes, you are. You are. And, and to be human is to be a control freak, really. I mean, uh, to try to control our lives and what's going on in our world and what's going on with our children. We want to control, control, control. And so some of us even go to God in prayer con- trying to control God. We go to God and, and we've got prayers that, that, that we, that we, that we want to say to get him on our agenda. Have you ever done this? God, I need you to do this. I need you to heal this person. I need you to go over here and, you know, convert this person. I need you to tell my boss he's an idiot. I need you to, you know, I need you to, you ever do this? We try to, we try to control God because we're such control freaks with our very prayers. We'll even search the Bible in our devotional time looking for verses to try to say, see, you said it, so you got to do it. (laughs) We'll, We'll use Bible verses to manipulate God and try to manipulate people to get our own way. God says, no, I don't, I don't, I don't play that way. See, I'm God and you need to surrender your life and let me lead your life. You need to let go of control. Psalm verse 46, verse 10 says this. Be still and know that I am God. The Hebrew word be still means to cease from striving, to sink down into, to stop. The Latin, uh, the Latin uh, version of the word means to vacate. We get our English word vacation from this Latin word vacate, to leave the premises. We could literally translate Psalm 46 verse 10 like this. Why don't you chill out and take a vacation from being God and let me do my job? (laughs) That's our problem. We want to try to control everything. Even in our prayer life, even with, you know, our kids or what, we want, we want things to go our way. And we have to, we have to come to God and say, God, first thing in the morning, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pause and I'm going to let go of control. I'm going to surrender my will to yours. Before we rush into prayer, I love, I love the way Pete explains this in the book. He says, Moments of stillness at the start of a prayer time are moments of surrender. Watch this. In which we stop competing with God, relinquish our Messiah complexes. (laughs) Does that hit a nerve for you? Release your Messiah complex and resign from trying to save the planet. Gosh, I need to hear. That's the pause. That's me and you coming before God saying, "I, I can't. I'm not, like Bruce Almighty tried that, remember Bruce Almighty, and it it went terrible. I'm not going to try it. I don't want to be God. I'm going to take a vacation from being God. I'm going to let you do your job. That's what the pause does for us. It not only turns down the volume of the noise, but it allows us to have a moment of surrender. And then we step into this conversation, this back and forth between God and us. The third thing that pausing does And this is so important. Pausing strips us of the false self. It it, it helps you to shed the false self. Now, what's the false self? Well, the false self is the person that you have created to get affirmation and to get praise from and attaboys from. 
It's that person that you and I create to avoid pain, to avoid criticism, and to avoid rejection, the false self. What am I talking about? I'm talking about you and I grasping a hold of success so that people will see an image of us that is good and right and worthy of praise. It's about you and I grasping a hold of money or the things that money can buy because our culture will say, wow, look at him, look at her. They've got a lot of stuff, they're very wealthy. It's about you and I grabbing hold of our sense of humor and becoming the funny guy, the funny girl in the group so that everyone will like us and, you feel what I'm saying? It's about you and I leveraging our intelligence and our degrees and, and, and becoming the, the smart person in the room so that people will respect us and give us honor. The false self, it's a nasty thing. It's not the real you, but oh, we try. It's, it's you and I trying to look, like, to look pretty and look handsome and, and be in shape so that people will think we're the pretty person or the attractive person, the false self. It is not the real you. And you and I need to have a moment where we come before God. And Pastor Aaron talked about this last week. He said, you got to keep it simple, but you also have to keep it, you have to be real. Being real is, is having a moment with God and saying, God, I'm, I'm here in front of you without this elaborate fig leaf like Adam and Eve sewed together to kind of cover them up. Without a mask, I'm not going to pretend to be the, the, the successful one or the one that you need on your team or the pretty one or the handsome one or the, or the rich one or the talented one or the athletic one or the skinny one. I'm not going to pretend to be. I have to have a moment where I'm coming before you without the mask. This is pausing. This is what happens in the pause. I love what Henry Nouwen said in, in his book, The Way of the Heart. And I wish every Christian would read this. It's a book about connecting with God through prayer and silence and solitude. He calls the false self scaffolding. Listen to this. He says, in solitude, in the pause, I get rid of my scaffolding. No friends to talk with. No telephone calls to make. No meetings to attend. No music to entertain, no books to distract me, just me, naked, vulnerable, weak, sinful, deprived, broken, nothing. It is in this nothingness that I have, I have to face my solitude, a nothingness so dreadful that everything in me wants to run to my friends, run to my work, my distractions, so that I can forget about my nothingness and make myself believe that I'm worth something. That's what we do. We, we try to grasp a hold of things to make ourselves feel like we're important or somebody. And it's all, it's all fake. It's the false self. And if we want to connect with God and have an authentic relationship with him, we have to have this moment before we even start talking or try to listen to anything he has to say where it's like, God, I'm coming before you naked. And when we do that in, in this space, in this, in this mid, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 3 minutes, 2 minutes, hey, 30 seconds... When we come before him and we just simply pause and we're like, I'm just coming, it's me. Broken, naked, sinful, nothing. That's when we hear God say, I'm so glad you came as you are. And not as you think I think you should be or what she thinks you should be or what he thinks you should be. Because now that you're coming as your real self, now we can talk. Because I can't change someone. I can't communicate with someone who's pretending to be someone else. I need the real you. Oh, 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 and by the way, the real you 
the one that's naked, the one that's sinful. I love you not because of what you're bringing to the table, not because of your success, the amount of money you've accumulated, the way you look, your awards, your trophies. I love you because you are my child. You are my son and you are my daughter. And then we sink into our our true identity, the truest thing about you and I in the pause, in in that moment when we come before God and the false self falls away, is that we are the beloved son or daughter of God. Powerful. Instead of just rushing in and start talking and yakking to God and asking and And then after all that takes place and we quiet the noise and we let go of control and we sink into what's truest about us, that we're children of God, then we begin an authentic conversation with God. By the way, you can't fool God. I mean, he knows who you are. He knows who we are. You ever think about that? Like pastors are the worst at this. Ministry leaders are the worst at this. Because we're professionals. Sometimes we think God needs us. It's like, hey, you know, I'm pastor of this church here, you know, see our budget. Got four campuses, five campuses. Like, we're something here. And then we come before God, and it's like, all that falls away. And we just, we just come down to this moment where we're just, we're just children, beloved children of our Heavenly Father. Powerful. That's the power of the pause. And then you start talking from that place. You start hearing from that place, you begin to grow in your prayer life. What have I said today? Well, I've said a lot. There are, there are distractions in prayer. There are obstacles to prayer. We, we think it's selfish. We, 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 we've got noise going on in our lives. We doubt it. We are disappointed. We have the wrong perception of God. In order to overcome some of those, we need to pause. We need to pause. Why? Because pausing turns down the noise. It allows us to surrender our our, our Messiah complexes, (laughs) our desire to control life. And it just, it simply allows us to be ourselves, to shed the false self. You try that. You try that. And that's what this is all about. This isn't a sermon. This isn't an education. This isn't a classroom. This is a This is me sharing how to follow Christ. I'm trying to do it myself, stumbling, getting back up, stumbling, get back up. But if you ask my family, and some of them are here today, does Danny try to do that? Yeah, first thing in the morning, you know, he's over over at the kitchen table, and he's trying to write stuff. He's trying to hear, and he's trying to quiet. He's trying to listen. He's trying to pray. It's not perfect. I'm sure I need to get better at it, but this is not a sermon. This is a practice. This is a way. This is what Jesus did. He got up before the sun was up and he went out to a solitary place and that's where he prayed to his heavenly. Like you have to do this. So here's my challenge to you. Pick a time and a place. This week, choose a time and a place. Like mine is about 6 a.m. in the morning, sometimes 6.30 and I go to my kitchen table. That's it, done, done deal. And I, and I work through some stuff. I work through all the stuff we just talked about. What's your time? What's your place? If, you, if this is just a sermon for you, it's like, oh, that was interesting. I learned this or that. Then and no good, no good. Not going to work. You actually have to take this information and practice it and, and choose a time and choose a place and begin to start praying. This week, just choose, choose a time and a place. Maybe it's just 10 minutes. Go to your app. There's a great app called YouVersion. You can download it for free. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of little 
prayer times or devotional times. I use this every morning to help me. And just spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the morning before you wait, before you go to work and spend some time in prayer. Pause, turn the noise down, let go of control in your life. Let God be God in your life. Let the false self fall away and see what happens. Now, as we come down the home stretch here, let me say something to those of you who may be watching and, and you're interested, but you're not in yet. One time, Jesus' disciples said to him, hey, can you teach us to pray? And he stepped right in. He said, absolutely. And he gave him this, this little prayer. Pastor Aaron mentioned it last week. We're going to talk more about it in this series. They call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the Lord's Prayer. Whose prayer is it? It's our prayer for us to pray. And the first statement in the prayer is our Father. Our Father. Like that's how we're supposed to begin the, begin the relationship, begin the conversation. And there's some of you here today that you can't say that God is your Father. You don't have that, that kinship to Him. He, you, you don't feel like His son or His daughter. Well, God wants to change that. Our heavenly father has sent Christ to this earth to change that. Jesus Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago to, die, to pay the penalty for our sin, to remove the barrier between us and God's, why? So that we can become his children, so that he can become our father. How does that happen? It happens through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says this, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It doesn't happen from joining a church or getting baptized or taking communion or any other means. It happens through faith. Me or you reaching out to Jesus saying, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again. Would you forgive me? Would you come into my life and make me your child? I trust you. I believe in you. If you'd like to make that decision right now, I'm going to say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of trust. And if you pray this prayer and you turn from your sin and you put your, your trust in Jesus, you will become a child of God today. Will you pray, me, pray with me if you feel led to? Just say this to him. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin to make me your child. I believe you paid the penalty for all my wrongdoing, all my sinful behavior, so that I can become your kid, your son, your daughter. And so I trust you today. I ask you to wash away my sin, cleanse me, forgive me, invade my life with your spirit. I ask you to be my savior. And from this day forward, teach me how to walk with you and talk with you and live with you, and love you, honor you, cherish you, treasure you, and share you with others. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory today, church? Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, our church would love to put a saved box in your hand. Just say, what's a saved box? Well, it's a, it's a gift 
from us to you, have it right side up there. And inside this box, there is a Bible. There is a reading plan. We just talked about a little reading plan to get going uh, each and every day. There's some steps in here on how to get connected to the church. Um, there's uh, some information about joining a small group. And there's also a mug in here from us to you just to say congratulations. So if you trusted Christ right now, you put your faith in Christ. If you would text the word SAVE to 65248, we will make sure we get one of these in your hands. Can we give God glory one more time? church. Amen. Now, as we wrap up, as we wrap up, I, I want to offer the moms here watching and uh, I just want to offer up a, a blessing and a, and a prayer for you. You know, moms, uh, you guys are, you're incredible. I remember when I was in high school, um, I was going through a difficult time and all of high school is difficult for me. Uh, but there was one particular time uh, where I was just struggling and my mom saw it. And um, I was getting a phone call. Um, and she noticed it and um, she was watching and, and then she just, she decided that uh, she was gonna step in. And she did. And I didn't want her to and I pushed back and it was uncomfortable. And you know, I was like, mom, stop being mom. You know, in high school, it's just like, moms, what do they know, right? Maybe you feel that way right now as a mom. But I'm looking back now, I'm, I'm 42 years old, and I thought, man, what if she didn't? What if she didn't step in? I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. I don't know what I would have done. I don't know where I would have gone. I don't know how, how I would have handled things. All I know is that she did step in and brought resolution to it and pushed her way into my life. And the situation got resolved. That's all I do know. That's moms. You guys are incredible. It's so hard. So many expectations. So many things to do. Can't get it all done. Constantly feeling like I'm not good enough. Constantly feeling a sense of guilt like you messed up or you missed this or you missed that. It's your fault. It's so hard to be a mom. But it's so worth it because you guys make an impact. I just want to pray for you right now. So if you'd receive this prayer, just, just kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe you close your eyes, moms, and maybe, I don't know, if you want to put your hands out, just kind of receive favor from God or blessing from God as I pray this, this prayer over you, wherever you are, wherever you're watching. Let me pray for you. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for our moms. Thank you for using them as an instrument to bring us life, to bring us into this world, caring for us, supporting us, encouraging us, ensuring that we make it. that we have what we need to survive, to become, to grow. Thank you for our moms. I wanna pray right now specifically for strength. So many moms right now I know are fatigued, tired, they're at the end of the rope. Some of them want to kill their kids, even though they love them. 
I wanna pray specifically that you would empower them, that you would strengthen their physical body, their spirit, their soul with energy to meet the demands of what's going on with younger kids, high school kids, even moms today who are in isolation and they're just tired of not seeing their adult children. Give them strength, help them to push through. I pray specifically right now for courage. There's so much fear in this world concerning kids. How are they gonna turn out and are we doing enough for them? What about all the influences that can affect them and so much fear? I pray right now for courage, that you would take courage and shove it into their hearts so that they can rise above the fear in their life. Father, I pray for healing right now in mom's hearts. Those moms who've, who've lost children and their hearts are broken. Would you meet them? Would you heal the woundedness? Would you, would you enter in and, and bandage them up? Wrap your arms around them in this moment. I pray for some moms who have a broken relationship with their kids, a son or a daughter, that you would bring healing to that, reconciliation, forgiveness, humility, gentleness. May your will be done in that healing process. Father, I pray right now for the moms who, who are feeling like they're not enough. They're plagued with guilt over things that they should have done and could have done but didn't. I pray that you would fill in the gaps, that you would fill those holes with grace and mercy, that you would help those moms to stop comparing themselves to what everyone else says they should be doing, that they would rest in your unconditional love, that you'd bring wholeness to their life and allow them to know that yes, they are enough, that you are the God who can take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed 5,000 people. In the same way, God, I know you can take their small efforts and multiply the impact. Help them to rest in that truth that the little things they're doing matter. Father, I pray right now, this last request, that you would speak into mom's hearts right now through these words. That they are significant. That they are absolutely essential in the development the growth of their children and that every word they speak, every touch they give, every hug they give, every word of instruction, every time they listen, every time they empathize, they're shaping, they're molding, they're creating. I pray that you would communicate to moms in the phase that they're in right now that they are significant and it matters. It matters for this side of heaven and for all eternity. 
We lift our moms up to you. We give you thanks for them. We lay these requests before you. And I know that you're answering even now. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Can we give it up for our moms? Hey, next week we are going to be in week number three of this series. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to be talking about reverence. You say, what's reverence? We'll talk about it. We'll get into it. It's about worship. It's about rejoicing in God. I hope this was a blessing to you. Will, will you pray with me and we'll get out of here. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to speak on this issue, to encourage us to pause, to turn down the volume in our lives, to let go of control, and to shed the false self. Help us to choose a time and a place this week where we can engage you in prayer. And we'll give you all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Invite a friend.